This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Orin, my man, we're back in the dog days of the NBA offseason. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, back to back to work, so I guess yeah. that's a good thing. How about you? Are you still yeah, on the I'm, islands? I'm uh, no, I'm in Vancouver now. I'm I'm hopping around. It's hot as sh- it's hot here. It's very hot, which is nice. Um, but more importantly, the NBA season schedule has been released, the 2022-2023 season. So we thought we'd take the opportunity to talk it. Yeah, have a little celebration. Because you know party. what? There is cause for a little bit of celebration with the schedule. And we'll get into um, we'll get into why shortly. But to start us off, what were your general thoughts with the schedule release? Yeah, I mean, I've never done a schedule pod before yeah. or schedule we're, video. We're desperate for content. Who are we so kidding? we are we are desperate for content. We've kind of committed to trying to be consistent here over the next hopefully up until training camp because mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of content out there and we are we're for the people. Our last video did good so we want to keep it going. But honestly schedule talk is there's worse topics we've potted about. Like oh yeah. I think uh I think there are some interesting things or at least like it's pretty easy to get excited looking at the schedule and yeah there's certain things that i find interesting there's certain things i like certain things i don't like so let's get into it yeah i mean i want to start with the opener which is against cleveland i find that interesting that Mm. the nba is pushing the scotty versus mobley agenda i'm not sure they would have if Toronto and if it didn't happen that those were the three four picks right yeah because like those two players have no like connection like they don't beef you know what I mean like there's no connection I think it's only just because there was rumors that the Raptors wanted Mobley Mm. and then they got the pick after them and they got Barnes and but like they're different players they don't have any like history or or connection, so I don't really understand it that much. No, you know? I mean Mobley's like this soft-spoken, quiet dude. Right. Like I don't know. I'd feel bad if there was any sort of like you know physical rivalry between him and Barnes. I do think that Cleveland and Toronto are on similar trajectories, and they yeah. do have these like potential uh, generational players in the exact same draft year. So they're, they are like, um, they are connected in that way. And so it is smart of the league to nurture that, especially their smaller markets. I mean, I don't think we're that small, but the NBA considers a smaller market. Um, and so, and you, you see across the schedule, like there's a concerted effort for all the teams to kind of 
bring to life. Like there's more purpose in this schedule than there have been in the past where they're trying to like coax out these rivalries or like at least there's these kind of reasons to tune in for a specific game. So it makes a lot of sense to me on that front. But it, I mean, well, I was on the uh, Confederacy, Confederacy of Dunks podcast yesterday and they asked me like what other rivalries do the Raptors have? And it's like, I think they're all going to come from Scotty because nobody else really has any, you know? Um, yeah, that's a good topic we could actually get into, though. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. but yeah, you're right. Just thinking about it, because I was going to say, why isn't like Cade versus Scotty a rivalry? Like, pick any of them, right? Or even Jalen Green. I know Scotty and Jalen Green have a relationship, but yeah, what you said about Cleveland is interesting. Like, maybe they're trying to go back to that Cleveland Toronto Lebronto rivalry because mm-hmm. they those teams have a history at least. So. If you're maybe it's that obviously like they finish one, two in rookie of the year, but I don't, but this, this started before that even happened. So like the, the Mobley versus Scotty thing. So, and maybe it's like, yeah, same trajectories. These teams have a history. Um, they, they could be like the four five. They could be the seven, eight. Like, I think there's going to, depending on health and stuff, I think the two teams are going to be intrinsically tied at, uh, down across the season this year and pot- potentially the future. Yeah, can we talk about the rivalry thing though? Because did you see that Golden State is the Raptors' rival for the rivalry yeah. week? So yeah, the NBA is doing a new thing called Rivalries Week in January this year, and the Raptors' rival is the Golden State Warriors. Um, how do you feel about that, and who do you think it should have been? Well, it's definitely not Golden State. Let's be clear on that. Yeah. Uh, for, from Golden State's perspective, it's how is it not Memphis? No, I think they have multiple games. Golden State does. Oh, in this well, we don't. Week? We only have, yeah. Oh, we I only see. have. Okay. One. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, it's Philly. And, you know, like now we got two Cameroonians versus one. Like, Philly fans, I mean, if you pay attention to Toronto Raptor, Philly 76 or Twitter, which you probably shouldn't. But if you did pay attention, like there's a lot of vitriol between the two fan bases. I, I there's a there's a growing discontent between, like I think Embiid and the Raptors generally, possibly between Pascal and Embiid. Like there's there's beef there. OG got into it with Embiid in the playoffs. Uh, Embiid did his stupid taunting stuff. Like I think there's a lot to build on. Um, with Philly and Toronto and they play each other back to back in the first like week or two of the season. So you could follow up that into the rivalry week and week. And I think that would be, that'd be a, a good matchup. Yeah. The other one I would think of is Boston. Like that was almost a rivalry when the Celtics beat them in the bubble. And then the next year we had a Christmas game against them. I think if my math mm-hmm. is right, no, maybe, maybe that was the same year actually. Um, but then the Raptors fell off after that and Boston got better. So right now I get the NBA looking at it and being like, those teams aren't on the same trajectory, but I think like sooner than later, that will be a rivalry again. Uh, and then the niche one is like the Detroit Pistons. I would have liked to see yeah. a rivalry game with the Detroit you could title it the, I actually have that highlighted for later, but like the Casey curse game, you know, like, but. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the Warriors are not a rivalry at all. I think the Warriors and the Raptors are like really similar franchises in a lot of ways. They target a lot of the same players mm. and they go about things very similarly, but like 
that's like the opposite of a rivalry. Yeah, I think there's like a they like they respect. respect the, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they respect each other too much to be rivalry. <laughs> it's just like doesn't make sense. Like they're gonna hug Otto Porter Jr. when they see him. It's like how am I excited for that in rivalry week? Yeah. Um. I, Anyways, what 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 should we get to next? Well, general reaction for me, a couple things. One day, they have seven games in 12 days to start the season. And this could be like the first time you see Toronto fans push the panic button and say like, I told you this team's not as good as we think it is because they play Cleveland, then Brooklyn, we don't know, Miami twice, Philly twice, and then Atlanta. Like we could easily go two and five in that set of games. And then all of a sudden – you know, we're in this hole and we're kind of worried and who's going to be scoring for us, blah, blah, blah. So um, that will be kind of an interesting thing to watch for. Conversely, if we go, you know, five and two, yeah. things will be looking up for the start of the year, a couple of divisional wins there. Um, and then and then another thing that stood out to me is at the end of the season, you've got my five of the seven are on the road. You have Miami, Philly, Charlotte twice, Boston twice, Milwaukee. There's a lot of like playoff like consideration in in that stretch, so those could be really big games, or it could be you know nothing games depending on how everything shakes out. But those kind of stood out to me at first glance. Yeah, exactly. Like the Raptors' schedule gets tough at the end. I think partly because of that stretch and that away stretch, but. Boston could totally be resting their players by then. Milwaukee probably will be the last day of the season. So it's really hard to, it's really hard to say the beginning of the season is definitely interesting though, because we're seeing like, we talked about this last time we're seeing all the Raptors playing together all summer. And I'm curious to see if that'll like matter if it trans like if it transitions quickly uh, to the season and, and where they have chemistry and where other teams, it's going to obviously take some time just like it did for the Raptors last season to gel. Mm-hmm. Like a Brooklyn, for example, for sure. Even Philly is incorporating some new pieces. Um, honestly, now that I'm looking at it, those teams they play in the first few weeks are like bringing back very similar groups to last year, though. Um, but yeah, Toronto's also bringing back a really similar group, and they have the advantage of playing together all summer. So I'll be curious to see if like they can use that as an advantage and get off to a quick start. Yeah, shout out to Rico Hines for Hines for basically us getting reps in as a team early on. Um, something that also I do love this home and home. Uh, do you want to talk about the home and home thing going on? Because that's yeah, let's really do it. Great. Um, the NBA has clearly made a concerted effort to. Are you hearing the song in the background? Is this? Yeah, but it's okay. Okay, I'll <laughs> I'll keep going. I'll talk more. Um, yeah. The NBA has made a really concerted effort to, I don't know, I don't know what exactly their motivation is. It's certainly environmentally friendly. It's conducive to player travel wear and tear. Um, And it also, like, it creates a little bit of this rivalry thing that we've been talking about, a little bit of a, like, a competitive edge. Um, So that's cool to see. Toronto has eight of these um, across the season and I think that that's like a fun thing to, to, you know, if you're an average fan or like you don't know a lot about basketball or something, it's kind of cool to see uh, a team and their schematics and then the next night or two see it again. And I think you can you can start to see like um, 
you know, patterns and, and similarities, or whatever else. And you see that in the playoffs, but by the time that happens, the season's already over. So um, I think this is a really cool idea from the league. Yeah. I think their intentions is like, I think the NBA or at least what it should be doing is anything possible to get like stars to play important games. And mm-hmm. as we've seen, like stars have begin just set, sitting out back to backs pretty regularly um especially if they have even like a minor lingering injury and until the league cuts down the schedule from 82 games to like really incentivize guys playing every day they've been trying to do things like less back-to-backs less three and four days or three and five days and this year yeah they've done this home and home or two game back-to-back in the same place and so I think the idea is just to incentivize stars to actually like play, play back to backs in some cases. And like, you don't have to worry about the travel. You don't really have as good as an excuse as if it was like a home and home to take one of those days off, like stars all the time. If it's like a home and home, for example, will play the home game and then stay while the team goes uh, for that, for that road trip, that mini road trip. But like, Hopefully this incentivizes stars to play because like that's been a huge issue for me as a fan watching the league in the past few years is just, you never know what you're going to get. And like, we always do this thing with Christmas games and it's like, Oh, they got snobbed. Oh, I'm so excited for this game. And then we get to Christmas and there's always like an injury or two. And it's always like, Oh, the game I was looking forward to like sucks now. Like the year the Raptors got a Christmas game, it sucked. Everyone was injured. And so, they have to do something about figuring that out um, and just getting guys to play more consistently, especially in the big games. And so hopefully hopefully this reduced travel does that a little bit. It's, it's nice to see that the league's taking, like a, making a concerted effort to, like, I don't know, have goals essentially in the schedule because it feels like in the past that it's just random. Like, like last year... The Raptors had seven home games, or sorry, seven away games that were sandwiched by home games. Now, that just makes yeah. no sense. Like, I remember, you know, we all remember the, what was it, the Philly-Chicago travel where OG was stuck in a hotel or, I don't know, something like that. And this year, there's only three. So, I don't know if that's league-wide where they've, where they've done that. But, and, you know, when, like, score one for climate change in the process, not having all of these, like, flights everywhere. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it also just didn't make any sense and so it's it's about time that the league has looked at the schedule and thought okay from february to april fans get bored players get bored there's a lot probably more injury in that span of time what can we do to spice things up and also like you were saying um encourage players to play without endangering themselves yeah yeah yep moving on um you want to talk about big games? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Big games, big stretches. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to start or do you want to start? Um, okay, I'll start. Okay, we got... No, well, actually, you go ahead. <laughs> uh, we already talked about the first stretch of games. That's definitely big just because a lot of division, conference rivals, really good teams, and... The start of the season is the most consistent where everyone's playing and there's no injuries. So, like, I think it'll be really exciting to watch 
the, how they stack up against Miami and Philadelphia and Atlanta, who I think will be in the playoff mix. So the start of the season sticks out for sure as a stretch of games. And then obviously from, I'll scroll down here, uh, January, late January, they go on this huge West Coast road trip, January 25th to February 5th. Last year they had two West Coast road trips. Each was like a week. This year they have like a, a 10 day, just get it all out of the West coast. They have another, yeah, that's, that's really the, the big one. So the West coast is always like a, a good, um, those road trips are obviously all, always like big just, to just, uh, cause they're difficult and you don't want to lose a bunch of games, but the West coast I've always liked looking at like East, a team in the Eastern conferences record versus the West coast. Cause it's a pretty good, usually it tends to be like a good, measure of how good a team is because the West has historically been pretty stacked. And I think this year the West will be stacked. So looking at how they fare against Western conference teams at that point in the season, when they're obviously going to be like the full version of themselves for the Raptors. Yeah. I'll be curious to just see how they can stack up against the West. Um, so those are the ones that stick out for me. In yeah. Terms so of stretches. That West coast swing is Sacramento, golden state, Portland, Phoenix, Utah, Houston, Memphis. Um, the only other big, like big, quote unquote, quote unquote, big West Coast swing is Denver, LA, LA. Um, yeah. And yeah, I like you're right. The West is more competitive this year. Utah should be a breeze, but even Houston and Sacramento are going to be tough outs. Portland's going to be a lot better this year. So, yeah, you're right. It's a good bellwether for where the team is at. Um, in the league at large. Um, a, a stretch that stands out to me is like, I'm, I remember last year, late December, early January, was kind of when Toronto turned their season around and everybody was kind of healthy. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of curious of like when that'll happen again. And, and there's, and I think it'll happen earlier this year, assuming everybody's healthy, where we're going to kind of see if this Toronto team is really means business and so there's a stretch where they go Miami, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Dallas, Cleveland, New Orleans, Brooklyn. Like those are all teams that are in Toronto's tier or a little bit above. And so like, you know, if we come out of those two weeks with a, a plus record, um, I, I feel like it's going to put the Raptors on somewhat of a trajectory towards the season that I think a lot of us anticipate them having. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, just for me looking at the schedule, I think Philly is going to be fun to play them two times in the first couple weeks because of what just happened in the playoffs. And the Raptors have not done anything to uh, change the Joel Embiid problem. But at the same time, I think they figured some stuff out as that series went along. And I'll be just curious to see how they match up against him because if you don't do anything by the deadline and, and they get that matchup again in the playoffs, like even if you're maybe the better team, that could be a really bad matchup for it for them. So those two games will be big. And then Boston, December 5th is the first time they play Boston. That'll also just be an exciting game. I think every time they play Boston, it's exciting. And then they play Milwaukee for their first nationally televised game on January 4th. 
So, so those are a few. Th- to happen. Yeah, those are a few others that stick out. But yeah, we got, we got Orlando three times in eleven days, so we're gonna go oh, one and two there for sure. Right, that's rough. That's rough. Oh, we should definitely predict their record at the end. But uh, okay. Anyways, we'll should that. we move on to tickets yeah. to buy? Yeah. Okay. So I thought of this topic because I find that a lot of my friends are like, I want to get tickets or I want to get tickets for my parents or whatever. What games should I buy? So I kind of, or what game should I go to? So I kind of put together a little bit of criteria and some games. Warren, I don't know if you did or not, but um, you can follow suit. No, you go first and then I'll, I'll pick a couple. Okay, so when I'm looking at games, I want it to be on a Friday or a Sunday because I either want to go out afterwards on the Friday or Sunday. It's like something to look forward to when you got like the Sunday scaries, right? Um, but I only Sunday after the football season. So that's important. I want it to be winter because when it's nice out, I want to be outside. I want it to be cheap. So I don't want to go to these inflated games like the Warriors and the Lakers. Yeah. Um, so I'm avoiding those, although there is an exception to the Lakers that I'll get to. Or the exception to the Lakers would be that I want to see Scotty Pester LeBron more. Like that's very that is very high entertainment value. But and then obviously I want it to be exciting and competitive. So that with all of that considered, these are the games that I would suggest you look for tickets to. So December 30th, Phoenix comes back to town. That'll be the first time they've met in Toronto since the Raptor Devin Booker. Uh, like, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, kerfuffle occurred um, where Devin Booker was shooting free throw and the Raptor distracted him in the empty arena and Devin Booker had him shooed away by security, which is, you know, classic petulant Devin Booker. Don't get me started on that. So that'd be fun because you never know what's going to happen there. October 28th, Joel Embiid's in town with Philly. I think that's just like an awesome, like I said earlier, rivalry. So that's also on a Friday. Both those games are on Friday, so boom. Uh, the exception to this rule is October 31st is Halloween. So we're playing Atlanta on a Monday. I like dressing up, so going to a game in a costume makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> Dallas is November 26th. You get to watch Luca. This is like a superstar in his prime. It's must-see basketball. That's on a Saturday, so you might, you know, that's not bad. Same thing goes for Portland January 8th. Dame's in town. Um, I think, like, you know, this might be one of the last times to see Dame at his peak of powers. Also, it's January, so there's New Year's resolutions on budgeting, so I don't think people are going to be spending as much money at this point in time, so it might be easier to grab a ticket. February 12th is Detroit, chance to break the Casey curse. Um, That's on a Sunday. March 24th, also another chance to break the Casey curse against Detroit that's on a Friday and both are you know Detroit's a very fun lively team Kate Cunningham like you said and Barnes could have a rivalry so those are worth going to the final two is Charlotte on April 2nd there's playoff implications potentially it's on a Sunday you can see LaMelo that's at Charlotte oh is that at Charlotte sorry but yeah they definitely okay, scratch play Charlotte. fly to I Charlotte know. cheap flight cheap tickets <laughs> good barbecue no problem and then we play Charlotte here January 10th and 12th at home. Okay, so I think I think seeing LaMelo play is fun. I don't think Charlotte's going to be that good this year, but yeah. he is like he's a showstopper in and of himself. So I think it's worth it. And then I would say 
the other Fridays, Boston, April 7th, there could be a playoff implication. So it could be worth going for, but that's kind of high risk, high reward. No, that's, that's at Boston. I hate to that's at you. Boston too? God damn it. <laughs> okay, ignore those uh, two. But you got lots of you games can, to choose from. So Yeah. Okay, my I'll go through a few. My criteria is simpler. It's yeah, the cheapness is definitely a factor because Raptors tickets escalate so much against teams like the Lakers and Golden State and even like Philadelphia and Boston. Those tickets are really expensive. Um, you can get really reasonable tickets against some of the lesser known teams. And I would just look, I'm, I'm going to say some that like the casual fan maybe doesn't know about, but could get a lot out of because... Yeah, I think there's just a lot of like undercovered star players that are really, really entertaining to watch in person. And maybe they won't be so cheap for so long in certain cases. And I guess these are also guys who I've really enjoyed watching in the past. Um, I think some people would say Atlanta and Trey Young. I'm not like the biggest Trey. I'm not like the biggest heliocentric offense guy. You know what I mean? Like, I really prefer teams that move the ball um, on top of having that superstar player. Um, but yeah, Trey is definitely a draw regardless. You don't want to see the new DeJounte, like the new persona that he's created Oh, yeah. You know what? I That is a good game because I want to see the, how those two look together. I totally forgot that they made that trade. Uh, but for me, the bigger ones are like, let's just go down here. When do they play? Like, this is, um, okay, Milwaukee, seeing Giannis in person for me is like at the top of my list still, because I think last year, both times they came to Toronto, he didn't come. Uh, but Giannis is a must see in person. That's a, that's an expensive game though. Another one is, I'm trying to find it, but, uh, when do the Oklahoma city thunder come to town? Cause shy is an incredible player to watch in person just the way he manipulates defenses and at times it'll be like the raptors are sending three guys at him and it doesn't matter uh so if you can get to an okc game in toronto and i think they're going to be pretty competitive this year i definitely recommend that i would love to be courtside to see a lineup with poku uzman dang chet holmgren and I don't know who else, who else is seven feet and super long on that team. But I think, like, I've only sat near courtside once. And to see the physical specimen of NBA players at that level is actually something else. And these guys are truly unicorn bodies. I, I, I think it would be worth to pay a little bit more to see. Oklahoma is going to be as cheap as it gets, basically. So you could pay a little bit more, get a good seat, and see those, those massive bodies. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's that's like the same thing with Giannis to me. Is like why I want to see Giannis in person, just the way he he dominates. And I'll say another guy. Okay, so it's actually right back to back. If you're ready to go for two games, OKC comes on March 16th, so I'd recommend that. Jokic is a similar guy who like literally looked like a dad amongst boys playing the Raptors last season, and it was so entertaining to watch. Like he's just so much bigger than him, and he was just like batting the ball off the backboard to himself, uh, but obviously a really entertaining player. So Denver on March 14th, I think, would be another good one. Indiana. Jokic is, sorry, Jokic is yeah. another guy that Barnes annoyed too. 
So that's also something to keep an, an eye on. True. I'm here for anything that like where Barnes is going to piss people off and create some kind of like disturbance. Fair. Yeah. And then, I mean, no, Indiana's bad. Um, New Orleans would be another one. I don't think it'll be too expensive. February 23rd. I think seeing Zion in person is another physical marvel that just like, how does he jump like that? How does he move that quickly? Lou Dort is another guy who, if you go see OKC, similarly, like he's too big to move the way he does, but Zion's obviously that on another level. So I think New Orleans, like that's a guy I've never seen in person, Zion, and I'd really like to, so... Yeah, those are a few. Oh, and the Grizzlies are another team that like John Morant, obviously, but that whole team is just really fun. A couple of Canadians on it. That'd be a fun watch. Yeah, I, I'm also here for all fire hydrant guys, as Samson calls them. So Dort and Zion fit right into that mold. Right. Um, the team I would not go pay to watch, uh, Washington, Indiana. Yeah. Um, Honestly, the Lakers would not, uh, unless you want to see LeBron. But other than that, they would not be worth the money you'd have to pay. Sacramento, Portland. I don't really um, want to watch Miami. Like, I, I love Lowry, yeah, but it's just kind of like heartbreaking to see him on a different team. He probably won't play. And, uh, yeah, I'm kind of over Miami. Yeah, and it's an expensive ticket because of Lowry. True. But, yeah, that's that's about it for me. Okay. Um, do we want to talk data and then get on out of here? Yeah, we can, uh, show, I want to talk nationally televised, but let's show a okay. couple of graphs. Why not? Yeah. Why don't we show some graphs? So for anybody listening, apologies. Um, are you going to pull those up or do you want me to? Um, I got one here. We can, we can start with, the, these I thought all... this was actually interesting before the graphs, um, let me just get my screen going. So this is like prime time in Europe, the Middle East and Africa on Saturdays and Sundays. And the Raptors have quite a few games here. And I was happy to see that as they should. Like it's probably the most international team in the league. A bunch of Africans on it. Um, few Europeans. So it makes sense to me that they would. Uh, But yeah, like we'll talk, I guess we might as well just talk about nationally televised games right after this. But yeah, they they got a good amount of primetime games here, um, which was nice to see. But they only got four nationally televised games. I'll I'll just, I'll go back to the schedule. And do you want to give your your thoughts on this first? I I do, because I think... And I ranted about this yesterday on the Christmas games. It's the same concept. I think, like, the NBA as an organization is so myopic in how they consider, like, big market teams. It's It's not about highlighting, like, the Lakers... Or the or really the Warriors for that matter. I, I saw a set like fifty percent of their games are like national TV or something. It's about finding the fledgling markets, right? And Africa being probably one of the major ones. And that's like I don't care that the Raptors aren't on the Christmas Day schedule, but if you want to start building your fan base and not worrying about cable, because cable's like I know there's a lot of money in cable, but that's not how everybody watches it. They should be thinking about you know, profiling guys like Siakam, uh, 
uh, precious to some degree, and and Giannis and Embiid too. I'm sure they get a lot of attention, but I think like they need to be more open minded about and Europe the, about who they're catering to and how they're profiling their players. I just I think they're too stuck in their old school like 1995 ways, you know. Yeah, are you saying like for Americans, people who are living in America who are like African American, or are you saying like people who are just watching these games on like a League Pass or whatever? From well, America? I'm saying that like they base, like they're concerned about quote unquote big markets in the NBA, right? So the New York Knicks are on Christmas Day, mm-hmm. the Lakers. Two two teams who really haven't warranted it, although LeBron himself probably warrants it, but mm-hmm. and as opposed to thinking about a that you know nobody in my generation watches the games on cable or or few do like uh, like not a lot do let's say there's less so that's like mm-hmm. something to consider when you're thinking about demographics and numbers but b that like the New York Knicks fans are going to watch the New York Knicks fans whenever they play like i think they should be thinking more broadly about how are they going to attract more viewers there's a whole country north of them that wants to see Toronto succeed you know, like they should put Toronto on Christmas Day. They should put them in more national games to give them like a, a better chance to create a larger audience. And similarly with African descent players, I'm talking about like, you know, they have the the players from Africa are burgeoning right now. Right. Like we're getting more and more all the time. And I think that's a huge market for the NBA to go to for um, uh, to market. Uh, so yeah, that's what I was getting at. And I think like a, like a team like Toronto really kind of strikes that chord. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I thought you were going to say that you like the, the Raptors only getting four tele- no. nationally televised games no. because it fuels the underdog mentality. Well, I mean, I, I personally like it. I like yeah. that they get di- like that still no one really appreciates who Toronto is, but I think it's a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. My criticism is on the same lines, but like a bit different. I just think like as an NBA fan, I am tired of watching the Lakers and the Suns and, and these teams that they put on night after night that just in a lot of like ways, aren't that entertaining in the way they play. Like I'm not focusing on the superstars that they should be like marketing their game around. Cause that's a whole nother issue. And that is a Christmas Day thing, but more so like with the nationally televised games, just like they should be trying to make the best possible matchups and and, like the the games where the guys are going to play the hardest and where it's going to be close and competitive until the end. And as a fan of the Raptors, I'm biased because I know the Raptors really well, but I think a lot of teams could have a similar complaint to the one I have, which is just like, the Raptors are a compelling product and like every year they're extremely entertaining and they overachieve and you know that they're going to be competitive pretty much every night. And I just want to see more teams that are interesting and different and built like built differently like the Raptors are uh, play on national TV, like OKC, they got zero nationally televised games. They have a superstar and shy and they're a really interesting young team i think there's a lot of examples of like teams that maybe aren't even that good but are just like better than a better than the nba is acting like they are with like only four nationally televised games and like more importantly like 
an entertaining product. I, I think that's how it should be ranked rather than like superstar player slash marquee franchise, which is how it's currently ranked. I think it should be like, is this team entertaining to watch? Because if you want the most people as possible to watch your product till the end, that's what you should be putting on. Cause I'll turn on all the time, a Lakers game late at night. And I'll just be like, Oh, they're getting creamed by 20. I'm turning this off at half and I'm going to watch something else. And like, if you're talking about ratings, you don't want people tuning out at half. And I, I feel like that's often, and the Knicks are going to, the Knicks are going to play a bunch of these games and they're going to get wiped. Like, uh, by Milwaukee. And I think it's also lastly, it's a little ridiculous. They don't have a single nationally televised game against the Sixers who they just played in the playoffs and lost to in a really like interesting series. Um, like they're trying to make a Kawhi thing happen against the the Clippers. It's like, give me the Sixers. That's a way more interesting storyline. Yeah. hundred percent. And like no one outside of New York wants to watch the Knicks also, but I think and this might be too conceptual, but I read a book on like innovation with organizations. And it's like the ones that go obsolete are the ones that are like anchored to their customer base, right? They keep producing the same thing because that's where the bread and butter is. But they have, right. they, as a result, right, they right. don't innovate, right? They don't find new products. And this is the same thing. Like if you keep banking on LeBron, you keep banking on KD. And like the odds of them being injured are like almost a coin flip now. So then you're really kind of, if they're out, then you don't even want to watch the game at all. So to your point, if you're investing in your future a little bit and trying to give a platform to guys like SGA and Zion and whoever else, you know, that's going to that's gonna be better for the product of, of the game and for viewership and for the and future generations who I think are kind of losing interest a little bit in the game. I don't know. I think young generations basketball is like doing pretty well yeah but i think it's the way they consume it like i'm starting to lose yeah, my attention media. span to these games right they, they don't to... watch the whole game anymore yeah they watch like highlights and stuff yeah i mean it just yeah. takes too long and it and again like there's a part of the season that's just boring yeah we should do a pod on refereeing because i think the big reason it takes too long is the refereeing but anyways should okay. we do should we move that on? Yeah, pull up a couple of charts. I think this is yeah. Ed Cooper mostly that we're going to. Yeah. Uh, this guy has done some really cool shit. And so shout out to Ed for doing this. We're going to use your charts to talk about things like, what do we got here? This is strength of schedule. Yeah, uh, throughout, this, throughout the course of the season. So the Raptors have the 6, 7, 8, 10, 11th easiest schedule is that right um which oh that's a different chart that's uh hey no that's no you had it yeah um so that's good but i mean strength schedule is pretty relative because there's going to be teams that are better than they're predicted to be and worse or and or injury so that only goes so far but uh, i think that bodes well for toronto generally do you have any thoughts on strength of schedule? Strength of schedule. I don't. Is it, I don't really I think take there it. Was another, wasn't there another graph that says? Where does it say that they have the eleventh ranks? Well, I just counted. The top left is the easiest. Oh, really? 
Am I wrong? Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. I was just looking at this graph that like the season gets a little easier as it goes, which is kind of surprising because of the way it ends is pretty tough. I, shouldn't there be like a little, a little up at the end? <laughs> but uh, I guess, I guess like you don't want to be playing bad teams at the end of the season because you want to be gearing up for the playoffs. So in that regard, I guess like, like, like Orlando's schedule, I think like that's kind of, a little more ideal in certain ways, just cause like you're gearing up for the playoffs. Um, but Hey, I'm not, I'm not here to complain. I don't yeah. really care. I don't know. They're pretty much in the middle, which is fine to me. To me, it's more like the, the yeah, we'll get to it. Okay, go ahead. This is when you're more rested than your opponents. <sighs> Toronto's right up at the top uh, seventh. Seventh game, most amount of games where they're going to be more rested than their opponents, which I think in this league is hugely important now. Yeah. Like, especially a lot of those will be back to backs in for the other team, and that just means now like your star player might not play. So, yeah, and um, I don't know what the stats were last year, but it felt like there were a lot where Toronto was the disadvantaged team when it came to rest. So I feel like this is a big win for us. I felt like that way for most of the season. And then when they started to win a ton of games at the end of the season, I felt like part of it was because other teams were less rested and they were resting guys or guys weren't coming to Canada. And I'll get into that when I predict their record. But But, yeah, I, I think that eased up as the season went on for them. Blake Murphy summed it up. Um, the Raptors have the third most rest advantage games, so that means they're better rested than the other team. The third fewest rest disadvantage games. And oh, right, they're the, tied for, for the third most, you can and, see in this graph. And tied for fewest back-to-backs and second fewest miles traveled. So, yeah, this is back-to-backs right here. Generally speaking, like this, this schedule as far as travel and rest and all of that goes is hugely in favor of Toronto. I think so, especially compared to last year. Yeah, if you yeah. if you just look at it at first glance, like they definitely got a more as they should. Adam Silver is supposed to be Masai's friend. Like I don't know why <laughs> we're not getting preferential treatment every year, honestly. But that's that's beside the point. Uh, those are all the graphs I have. Do you have any okay. more? <laughs> I mean, Ed has a ton. I suggest you go to his Twitter page. Um, it's at Ed Coop for K-U-P-F-E-R. It's pretty cool. Um, we won't go on about them, but there's a bunch there. Uh, all right. That's all I had to say about schedule. I think we squeezed squeezed juice out of a pretty like yeah. dry yeah, topic. Sure. So I feel it pretty good pretty about good. it. Uh, I just want to predict their ra- their record. Oh, okay. So let's each predict their record. No problem. So, do you remember their record off by heart? Forty seven wins or forty eight wins last season? I think it was forty seven. I'll look it up real quick. No problem. <laughs> they won um, forty eight last year. Okay. Forty eight. So, I think. I think. A lot of people, the view I'm seeing online is like, well, if they won 48 games last year, you have to pick them to win like upwards of 50 because they're going to obviously be better than last year. And I think that ignores a lot of critical 
things, such as the East, I think, has gotten a decent amount better, especially at the bottom. And even teams like Philadelphia got better. Um, Cleveland's going to be better. Like Atlanta is going to be better. The Knicks are going to be better. I think a lot of teams are going to be better. So that's one thing. And it also ignores what I was just saying, where I think the Raptors had a lot of preferential games in terms of rest, in terms of guys not coming to Canada, where they were playing like the skeleton of teams. So the Raptors definitely did get better as the season went on. But part of it, like they didn't get that good where they were playing at like a 60 win pace for the second half of the season or whatever. Like, I don't think they're that good. So I'm going to go with like 50 wins. Basically, I'm going to say the Raptors are going to win like 50 games. I guess that would mean they lose 32. And that sounds pessimistic, but I think it's just those things I just said. B, I don't see like Scotty making the all-star leap that everyone sees um this year maybe the next year but i i don't really see it this year in terms of like actually becoming named an all-star um and see i think um i think they're not going to care about the regular season as much like they made an all-out push for the playoffs last year that was all they cared about so they played fred extremely hard played pascal so hard and I don't think I, I don't see them doing that this year. Like I think they'll be willing to lose a couple games in order to buy those guys some rest so that they can they care about the playoffs this season. Last season was all about it really was like a rebuilding year and they admitted that this year they're going to win some playoff rounds and so I don't think they're going to care about the regular season as much. Did you just predict them winning multiple playoff rounds? No, I said that's what they care about. Like oh, okay. this year. I, I said they're going. No, to- but I think their goal should be to win a playoff round. I agree. Like it might be a little disappointing, depending on how everything matches up in injuries. If you don't win a playoff round this season, that's a bit disappointing. I agree with everything you said. Um, it feels like across the league that everybody just kind of got better, uh, and there's it's hard to point to teams that got worse. I think Charlotte. Is going. I think teams got worse by nature of doing nothing. So that's like Miami, that's Charlotte, that's yep. um, uh, I just had on the tip of my tongue. The Chicago is another one that I think could. But Chicago was so injured, that. right? Yeah, I, but I mean, I they know. didn't. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think they overachieved a little bit. Um, so I could see. I guess it does depend on Lonzo. Anyway, I also think. Detroit and Orlando teams at the bottom also, I think, got better. I agree. I agree. Um, regardless, I I hammered the over already on Toronto, and stay tuned. We're going to talk about do over unders hopefully next week with the Italian chef Kyle. Um, yeah. So we'll talk about that there. But for Toronto, no, I hammered the over the is over. easy. It's like forty five, forty five and a half. Yeah. And so I do think the window is 46 to 52 range. I don't think 50 is pessimistic. I think it's about right. Um, there are some very good teams out there this year. There's going to be some games that we let slip um, just because I think there's more uh, equality across the league. Um, how many games? I'm going to say 49. I'm going to say 49. Mm, wow, you're I a do- Raptors hater. I do think that Toronto is in a better place this year because all of the players in like last year, they put the Paul Nans, a lot of guys who weren't necessarily ready. And this year, you know, Scotty being one of them at times and him and precious are going to be a bigger part of this offense. And I expect OG like 
praying he's healthy will also. And so even if we're going to take the ball out of Pascal and Freddie's hand more than last year, or, or put it in their hands less than last year, I don't think that's necessarily going to impact the overall offense because these other guys are going to be stepping up with more capability. Uh, I just yeah, think the, the East is is going to be challenging, assuming KD stays put in Brooklyn. Yeah, and the the back of bench depth is also a lot better. Now I'm kind of talking myself into going to like 52. Yeah. I, I got the back of the bench depth, I'd like a lot more with Boucher improving and Thad being there for a whole season yeah. and uh, Otto Porter. I still think like Malachi and Delano are not really ready for the roles they're going to have to play. But other than that role, they have some pretty good depth. Um, Quit. So yeah, I think I, they could totally surprise me and be like a 55-win team. Like I would not be shocked if that happened. Um, but I just don't think we can automatically look at 48 last season and be like, oh, they're going to way surpass that. Yeah, I, I almost regret choosing 49 now too. But you, but you put me on the spot. Like I wasn't ready for this question. So I, I want to read. Oh, yeah, these aren't our – don't worry. These aren't our I don't want it to be my picks. official we can, choice. Yeah. We can do our official choice closer to the season. But, I think. but very quickly because we are talking about the bench and I was just talking about this with a friend. Is Gary coming off the bench or not? Because we were talking about his odds for six man of the year, and it's like mm-hmm. I I think he should. I advocated it all a lot last for it a lot last year. <clears throat> what are his odds right now? They must be. I think good. They're like twenty four plus twenty four hundred or something. Hmm. I mean, I don't fucking know, but I hope so. <laughs> like that's what the way I would go with it. I would start Precious and bring Gary off the bench. Yeah. I don't really care. We don't have any about other the pushback that everyone says. Like, but what if Gary doesn't like? No, I hate the argument so much. That was the same argument for normal Norm Powell, which was like, but what if he plays better with the starters? Tough shit, man. Get better. Like, this isn't this isn't. We're not here to cushion you, and like, we're here to build something and see what we have and build something for the future. So we got to see like, you got to be able to fit into any role as an NBA player. Like, unless you're a, unless you're like so good at something that you, you have to build around something you have to build around them. But like Gary is not to me enough of the part of the core where you have to build around him. So yeah. Like if he's better with the starters, that's tough luck. I I don't know. He's also the perfect persona to be the sixth man. It was like, okay, Gary, you get the ball. You're going to play with a bunch of dudes who like to spot up and cut and do all of the grit, grit work. You're going to go score. That's all you have to do as the six men. And I feel like Gary would be like, okay, dope. Like I'm still going to get 28 minutes a game. I'm down. That's the other thing is that from everything he said since becoming a Raptor, I don't think he would be like, no, I'm not coming off the bench. Like he seems to me like the type of guy who would be willing to do pretty much whatever, as long as he's playing significant yeah. minutes um and so, yeah. bigger bigger uh bigger egos have have accepted coming off the bench so i don't think it's not preposterous anyway it just popped in my head it was an interesting topic um, anyway, anything else out. anything to plug no not really <laughs> i i just i just filed a story should be in the toronto star this weekend oh good for you it's about baseball Ew, you traitor. I traded, yeah. So uh, cool. that should be that's, interesting. That's a big deal. Do you know anything about baseball? No, it's not like matter. about like 
I'm not examining the game. Yeah, it's like okay. a human interest story okay. about baseball. That's your but, that's your angle. So, um, but the, to answer your question, no, I don't know anything. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. Um, after you listen to this one, you can listen to me on Confederacy of Dunks that I was on yesterday. I don't know if you've hung out with those guys, but they're really fucking funny. And they're no, editing, but I was listening a bit today. I was watching on YouTube. Yeah, a bit. their editing's hilarious. Like they have. That's something we got to work on, but that's we'll take that yeah. off air. <laughs> um, and then other than that, we're going to do this hopefully next week. Uh, more gambling. We're not supporters of gambling, but I think talking about basketball in the context of gambling is interesting. So we're going to yeah. likely do that next week. Yeah. Oh, I have also to plug that I'll be back writing at Raptors Republic you. about Canada basketball mostly. Um, so in August, Canada men's team got a couple games I'll be writing about. And then in September, there's the America cup and then the FIBA women's world cup. So I'll be covering all that stuff at Raptors Republic. If you're into Canada basketball, check it out. You're going to travel for those games? No. Not even. Are you going to go to Argentina? I'm not in in town. Uh, yeah, no, it, it it doesn't make sense. It's only one game in Victoria. Yeah. So definitely doesn't make sense to go there, but, but should be a good all one. The turn- all the tournaments, though, that'd be sick to travel to. It would be sick, but I'm not going to. Okay. I mean, our art be- doesn't have the budget. They're not I was just going to say, get the art with the bill. Yeah. They'll <laughs> send you on a like, Greyhound or something. The the FIBA World Cup is in Sydney, Australia, so I would, Zarar, if you're listening. Cargo ship. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next week.